calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler and Rob Otto, performed by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Ohio gozaimasu, junkies! 2024 is just flying along already. We'll all be dead soon, so do interesting things. That is your positivity for the day. As for my positivity, my Detroit Lions actually won a playoff game. Holy cats, I can't believe it. Now, if you follow me on the regular, you know I am a crazy NFL fan. Hell, I wrote a whole series about football, the Galactic Football League, which, by the way, is available as a free podcast everywhere podcasts are available. Just search for Galactic Football League. As for the Lions, this is only their second playoff win in my entire life. And fam, I am old. The last time the Lions won a playoff game, 30 years ago. There were no iPhones. There were no podcasts. There wasn't even a damn World Wide Web the last time the Lions won one. 30 years I've been waiting. This is like heaven on earth. Now, the episode you're about to listen to drops on the very same day that the Lions play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the divisional round. So I will let you know next week how I feel about that Lions win or that Lions loss. But either way, it has been a phenomenal season regardless. Let's get back to Slay episode number 43. Let me get you caught up on the story. And then we're all going to go put on our Dan Campbell Lions jerseys. Previously on Slay, Lincoln is at the bastion to pay his respects to the Clostator, the sect's spiritual and military leader. He's been told she doesn't have long to live. What will this old warrior have to say to him? Back in Lumencia, Ariella, Magda, and Billy prepare for a visit from Kellius Droman, one of the baddest wizards in town. They've hired him to beef up security at the Old Stone Church. What happens when he finds out they can't pay for his services? And now, episode 43 of Slay. The nave still smelled, slightly, of burned wood. Ariella smoothed her tight skirt, gave her red blouse a tug to make it look just so. She looked good. So good 
that Billy was glad he wasn't wearing pajamas anymore. Is that damn dog locked up? She asked. Dragon is not locked up, Billy said. She's in the bell tower. I told her to stay, so she'll stay. Ariella's stern brown eyes narrowed with displeasure. Tuck in your shirt, she said. At least try to look presentable. Billy tucked in the gray and black flannel into his black jeans. It wasn't his shirt, but he did it all the same. He don't got to tuck in jack shit, Magda said. We're the customers here, right? Magda didn't give a damn about looking presentable. There were mustard stains on her rumpled Smurfs pajamas. She held a mug half-filled with pawberry fizzo and half with vodka. Magda, you are an embarrassment, Ariella said. Kellyus Droman, the Kellyus Droman, is coming to our place of business, and you look like a 40-year-old homeless wino. Can you at least go hide in your workshop? Only 40? Magda picked her nose with her middle finger as she smiled at Ariella. I didn't realize I looked that good. Ariella huffed, ran a hand through her dark-rooted blonde hair. One of the links on her turquoise charm necklace began to pulse. All right, here we go. She pulled the piece free, tossed it out into the nave's open space. A blob of color Billy couldn't quite identify, sort of green, sort of purple maybe, appeared where the coffee table had once been. Through that blob stepped a man and a young teenage girl. The man wore a tailored dark green three-piece suit with burnished gold buttons. His gray-threaded hair looked like he had just stepped out of the salon. Billy was a good three inches taller, but the man's air of effortless confidence made Billy feel instantly smaller. The girl, perhaps 13, wore a dress that matched the man's suit. Her blonde hair was pulled back in a smooth ponytail, as if she was playing dress-up as a no-nonsense corporate lawyer, although her sullen eyes and the braces she tried to hide spoiled the effort. Kellyus, my old friend, Ariella said. What a wonderful suit. Katie Brioni? Droman's chin went up slightly. The smallest of self-satisfied smiles creased the corners of his eyes. Your eye for fashion is as sharp as ever. He nodded toward the girl. This is my daughter, Delilah. Delilah curtsied and clearly hated doing so. Ma'am, she said. Nice to meet you, Delilah. Ariella gestured to Magda and Billy. This is Magda and Walt. Magda is a, uh, a co-owner of the business. Walt, he's new here. Kellyus barely gave Billy a glance. His eyes fixed on Magda. Miss Magdalene, he said. Thank you for your service. Magda raised her mug of soda and vodka in mock salute, then took a sip. Thank you for your service? For being a Rixator, maybe? Kellyus glanced up at the scorched roof timbers. I can see why you needed my services, he said. Am I to believe that Lincoln Franks let a mesh worker attack you in your own home? Who was it? Billy 
felt a rush of embarrassment. Funny you should mention that, Ariella said. It was an accident, not an attack. The damage was done by Walt here. Which brings me to a wonderful offer for you, Kellyus. A deal for the work at hand that benefits all involved. Kellyus glanced at Billy, let loose a disdainful sigh. Ariella, please tell me you're not going to try and barter for my services. Ariella laughed. <laughs> barter? Of course not. This is an opportunity, an opportunity to protect Delilah from that awful kidnapper abducting young people from powerful families. I can't help but notice you brought her with you. I assume that's because you don't want to let her out of your sight, which makes me assume you haven't found a suitable bodyguard for her yet. Droman's eyes narrowed. Billy instantly hoped Droman would never look at him that way. The dude was downright scary. Ariella, you already offered me Lincoln's services as a bodyguard, Droman said. I declined. As I told you before, I need a protector, not a killer. Ariella gestured to Billy. And that's why I've expanded the deal, she said. Young Walt here is filthy with raw power. He's had no mentor. You'd be his first. Droman smiled. It's no small wonder you made your name as a cutthroat lawyer. You want me to train someone for free, and you make it sound like you're the one doing me a favor. Ariella shrugged. You can decide if it's a favor or not. You get a former Rixator guarding Delilah, and you get first crack at a natural mesh worker who can become a powerful ally. You know how rare that is. Droman rolled his eyes. If I had a gold piece for every time someone thinks they know a natural mesh worker, I'd... His voice trailed off. Delilah was breathing in big, loud, nose-crinkling breaths. Daddy, she said. Walt smells like you. Now Droman's eyes leveled on Billy. Billy's heart beat faster. Droman took one small sniff, then another. The expression that creased his face. Suspicion? Distrust? And maybe envy? Delilah, he said. Speak when you are spoken to. The girl hung her head. Rich-ass Kellyus Droman was a bit of a dick. My answer is no he said. I have a bodyguard starting tomorrow. Fincus Palmore will protect my daughter. Ariella, you will pay the agreed-upon fee for the agreed-upon work. Ariella fidgeted with her necklace. About that, she said. A couple of our accounts receivable are a tad behind on payments. Perhaps, for old time's sake, you could extend us a tiny bit of credit? Billy noticed that when Ariella said, for old time's sake, her lip curled into a seductive lipstick sneer. I don't work on credit, Droman said. You know this. Ariella looked at the girl. Your father and I are old friends, she said. 
maybe sometime soon, I can tell you about how good he is at poker. Droman cleared his throat. And for the first time, he did not look like he owned the entire world. Well, that won't be necessary, he said. Delilah, Ariella was my lawyer for a brief time. I am afraid she can't discuss our business due to attorney-client privilege. Ariella, I can give you a week's grace period. For old time's sake. Ariella grinned. Billy wanted her to grin at him like that, only with less clothes. Thank you, Kellyus, she said. Delilah, my apologies. I enjoyed working with your father so much, I forgot about attorney-client privilege. Delilah looked like she wanted to be anywhere but here. Kellyus glanced around the room. This shouldn't take long. Let's get started. I can give you two of the place, Mr. Droman, Billy said. Delilah brightened. That would be fun. Droman put a hand on her shoulder. We do not need a tour, he said. I'm simply applying a bubble of unremarkability around this place and the grounds. That will amplify the existing protections. We don't need to see more. Delilah looked up at him. But, Dad, this place is so cool. Can Walt just show me around while you... I said no. Droman's distrustful glare settled on Billy. Delilah, get your notebook out. You need to observe and learn, not gawk, like this is some museum of forgotten relics. Relics? Magda laughed. Why, you keyblading, Magda? Ariella snapped. Please give him room to work? Magda shook her head as she left the nave, mumbling about how she didn't need this bullshit. I'm sorry about her, Kellyus, Ariella said. Magda can be uncooperative. Add surly and impolite to that list. Droman again looked Billy's way. I'm afraid I do not give free demonstrations. Kindly remove yourself, Walt. I have a very busy schedule. This guy thought Billy was going to, what, rip off his sick beats or whatever the magical equivalent was? Billy did not know how any of this worked. It wasn't as if he could take notes like Delilah. Walt, Ariel said, go take Dragon for a walk. Well, fuck the both of them. Nice to meet you, Delilah, Billy said. Delilah smiled. A genuine smile that showed her braces. Nice to meet you, Walt. At least the girl seemed okay. She'd probably turn out to be an arrogant Richie like her dad, but for now, she seemed cool. Billy headed for the front door. It was cold out, but Dragon didn't seem to mind. She'd love to play fetch in the empty lot out back. And Billy would rather spend time with her than these people anyway. Anyway. 
In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lincoln stood waiting in the candlelit office. How many times had he been called here for a dressing down of one form or another? How many times had he stood in front of this ancient wooden desk? He'd lost count long before he had quit the bastion. This office was thousands of years old. It had housed hundreds of claustators. Lincoln imagined the place looked the same as it had for millennia. The shelves of old books, the wax-thick candle stands, the alcove with the two old chairs. The ancient, narrow, pointed Hungarian shield Rixators once used, with the bastion symbol emblazoned upon it, hanging on the wall. That symbol, the Arvadada, the bastion's equivalent of the Christian cross, the Islamic crescent and moon, the Jewish star of David. The Arvadada was an octagon, with circles making up each of the eight points. It represented the octagonal towers that anchored each corner of the Bastion Fortress walls and also, supposedly, the eight legs of the Jurogumo species the Bastion had been founded to fight against. Below the Avradata, crudely hammered into the shield's metal, the Bastion's slogan, Vasator Irenaeum. It meant destroyer. Of spiders. The Jorogomo crap. He had meant to ask Peanut if Bastard Maker was Jorogomo magic, as Mercutio claimed, but he had forgotten. Maybe he'd do that some other time. After this, he had to get back to the old stone church. Other than the shield, the books, and the candles, the room was devoid of embellishment. That was the Bastion way sparse, simple, humble. A door behind the desk, obscured by a hanging ochre-colored curtain, led to the Klostor's private quarters. Perhaps Lincoln should have come here years ago. Perhaps not. He hoped he could simply pay his respects 
and not wind up in an argument with this woman. Again. A hand pushed the curtain aside. Juanita Socorro. Auntie Juanita, the Clositor, the bastion spiritual leader and military commander, stepped through. Lincoln, she said, thank you for coming. Damn, did she look old. She'd lost muscle. Her ochre-colored cassock hung on her like it was three sizes too large for her skeletal frame. Her hair had been white before, sure, but now there was less of it. The dull, scratched bronze pauldrons, the Klostor's badge of office, looked too large for her shoulders, too heavy for them. The ancient armor seemed to pull her shoulders down. She smiled at him. That, at least, was the same as it had always been, a smile that was both a constant welcome and an ever-present warning, because Juanita Scoro was not one to suffer insult. Lincoln put his hand to his chest and bowed his head. He was no longer a rixator, no longer a servant of the bastion. He was not obligated to give that formal greeting. He gave it anyway. Glossator, he raised his head. It's good to see you. Sorry to keep you waiting. I needed a wee rest. Basil can be a bit tiring. He's a pompous blowhard, Lincoln said. He'll replace me soon. Show the proper respect. It was hard to see this legendary warrior so frail. Juanita had held Lincoln as a baby. She had been Jacoby's socius, which meant she'd always been around. Until Lincoln was 11 years old, Auntie Juanita had been a part of the family. That was when Juanita, Jacoby, and Halvor Omdahl and a jurator had attacked the last known Jurogumo nest. After that, everything changed. Everything. Auntie Juanita hadn't come around as much. She had retired from field operations and pursued an administrative path. She'd worked her way to Tertius, then Clostus Secundo, and finally became the Clostator. Lincoln still remembered that grand ceremony remembered his father placing the pauldrons on Juanita's shoulders. So many people had been there. Everyone in the bastion, all the important folks in Cordus, and representatives from every territory in the patchwork. Sit, Lincoln. With a trembling hand, Juanita gestured to the alcove chairs. Sit and talk for a moment. It would make these old bones ring with memories of days gone by. They both sat. Sophia tells me you're ill, Lincoln said. Juanita nodded. Warriors die, Lincoln. Some in battles. Those who survive them eventually, they die all the same. May I ask what it is? She rolled her eyes. Good old-fashioned cancer, if you can believe it. I trust you will do me the courtesy of not asking if we have tried everything. Lincoln nodded quickly. Of course, Glossator. There's no one else here. Call me Auntie, for old time's sake. He had not seen her, 
in years. When he had thought of her, those thoughts had not been kind. Now, knowing she might not have much time left, he wished he'd been a better man and come sooner. Death makes so many slights seem unimportant. Okay, Auntie, Lincoln said. She reached out and patted his hand. I used to change your diapers, she said, which means I have always known just how full of shit I am, Lincoln finished for her. She laughed at the old joke, as did he. It only felt a little bit stilted. There wasn't much laughter left in her. That much was obvious. Auntie, I'm so sorry. I wish I knew what to say. She considered that for a moment. Say you'll come back to us, Lincoln. I can reinstate you before my time is done. You were destined to be one of the greats. Come back to us. She reached out, touched his between cloak. You still wear your uniform. I wonder why. It wasn't the first time he had been asked to return. Hell, Juanita had done all she could to stop Lincoln from leaving in the first place. But he'd had good reasons to walk away. The armor and the cloak are mine, Lincoln said. I earned them. I wear them because I have a dangerous profession. If I come back, Auntie, will you help Magda's situation? With my father's, so he has the dignity he deserves? Juanita laced her trembling fingers together and rested them on her knee. They both live in the underskin, she said. That is their choice. The bastion has no financial involvement with those who do not live in Cordis. You know this. He did know that. Yet, it infuriated him all the same. Those rules are antiquated, Lincoln said. You know this, Auntie. Magda can't live down here. She's too, too, too afraid, Juanita said. Lincoln's anger grew. She has PTSD for fuck's sake. After what she went through, anyone would. Juanita sat up straighter. No, not anyone. For thousands of years, Rixies, Juros, and Monks have suffered like she did, and many far worse. Those who can no longer fight, for whatever reason, move into admin. She used the common nicknames for those three classes of Bastion warrior, Rixies for Rixator, Juros for Ajurators, and Monks for Menachi. Magda Magdalene will not live in Cordis, so we cannot help her, Juanita said. As for your father, you know why he left. Magda suffered from PTSD. Jacoby suffered from pride. He had insisted he could still fight, even though he couldn't walk. When Juanita told him his Rixator days were gone forever, he had left the Bastion and the city of Cordis altogether. Jacoby Franks could not get his head around the fact that he was no longer the man, and he couldn't be around those who were. 
Rixitores embraced a vow of poverty. The bastion provided food, lodging, training, and spiritual guidance. To be seen as neutral, to serve the needs of all in the patchwork, to ensure they could never be used as weapons as soldiers in a war, bastionites could earn no money, could receive no form of compensation or reward from outside these walls. If not for Lincoln, who would care for Magda? Who would provide for his father? No one would. There is no free ride here, Juanita said. Idle hands are the playground of demons. I will not change our ancient rules. You know full well that Basil won't either. Lincoln was mad at himself more than at her. She hadn't backed down when he threatened to quit. She wasn't going to back down now. She was a slave to tradition. Basil. Lincoln shook his head. I can't believe you're letting that numbnuts take over for you. Juanita raised a trembling hand, scratched at her cheek. Everything about her seemed weak, seemed slow. It's not my decision alone, she said. He earned his place with tireless dedication as a rixator, with decades of work as a quester and a villicus. The council anointed him as Tertius years ago. While the Clositor made all final decisions, the council, of which the Clositor was a member, voted on the next Tertius when a Clositor died. That kept the line of succession going. The Clositor to be replaced by the Clositus Secundo, to be replaced by the Tertius. I can't believe you people voted for Basil, Lincoln said. He's a narcissist and a conspiracy theorist. He believes in that same ridiculous Moore's Monday prophecy my dad does. Juanita sighed. I didn't vote for him, you can be sure of that. Yes, Basil believes in the prophecy. I'm afraid that belief is why some voted for him. There are questers who still believe in it. To them, Basil could be the light that drives away the darkness. The Jerogumo are the very reason the Bastion was founded, Lincoln. Do you forget your history? Four millennia ago, the spidery shapeshifters known as the Jorogumo had come close to conquering all of the patchwork. They had even spread up to the underskin. The other groups of that time had banded together to fight a desperate war against them. They'd collaborated to train a brutal, highly unified force. The Bastion was born. Developing martial skills in both physical combat and meshwork, Bastion warriors won victories over the Jorogumo, eventually conquering the race and driving them into an underground lair. There, the predecessors of the Rixators, Ajurators, and Menachi had unleashed a massive meshwork that froze the Jorogumo in place, deep below what eventually became the city of Cordis. The Bastion fortress was built over that lair, partially as a seal, partially to ensure that no one could ever plunge deep enough to rouse the spiders from their eternal slumber. You can't be serious, Auntie, Lincoln said. You really think I could forget the lessons I learned here and with Jacoby Franks as my father? She sighed again 
And this time, Lincoln heard a soft rattle in her breath. Of course you remember. She leaned back in her chair. Your sister tells me your son is still on the shelf. I assure you, if there was anything we could do to help, we would. Lincoln nodded. I know, Auntie. The Bastion could do nothing. For all the power, knowledge, and skill the organization possessed, the shelf was on another plane of reality altogether, one that few understood and fewer could access. She reached out, patted his hand again. Her skin felt cold. Well, Lincoln, it has done this old body good to see your face again. Thank you for coming. I hope you find your way back to us. Together, we are the armor that protects the just. We are the weapons that slay the wicked. This is all we need. This is all we want. This is all we are. That old phrase, a statement of the sacrifices shared by each and every Bastionite. A giant load of bullshit. Magda couldn't protect anyone. Jacoby couldn't slay a damn thing save for a fifth of whiskey. No togetherness for them. None at all. Lincoln stood. She stood, too. Slowly and carefully. Lincoln again put his hand to his chest and bowed his head. Clostator, he said. It is an honor to have served under you. He didn't want to admit that was true, but it was. All the bitterness in his heart would not alter the reality of things. Goodbye, Lincoln, she said. I know this is the last time I will see you. Fight well. With that, she shoveled back through the curtain, the hem of her cassock sliding slowly across the stone floor. You have been listening to Slay, created by Scott Sigler and Rob Otto, performed by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2024, Empty Set Entertainment. For more info on Scott Sigler, his novels, short stories, and podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. 
Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.